But board games. Board games, yes. Clue. Right. No, for sure. I was always Miss Scarlet. I wouldn't play if I wasn't Miss Scarlet. That does not shock anyone. (laughs) And my dream was realized when I got to play her at a Clue-themed murder mystery botany spa. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Let's break that sentence down. And I got paid for it. Okay. Murder mystery, (laughs) right? So like a dinner theater, kind of interactive. You're sitting at the table with them. Yeah. But it was a lot of kids, so there was a lot more milling about wait wait let's not jump ahead here yes you're sitting at the table you're hanging out with guests yes are what era costuming are you in uh like typical murder mystery ish where you it could kind of go anywhere from 20s to 50s depending okay so are you going for like a leslie ann warren miss scarlet here i'm assuming no i was going for my own miss scarlet but oh wow okay shots fired well um yeah. I had I take a character and I inhabit it and I yes. make it my own. Yes. yes. Okay. Right down to the candlestick. Right. And the lead pipe. There were different characters at every table, correct? Yes. Uh bar mitzvah or bot mitzvah, did you say? Bot. Okay. Bot mitzvah. Bot. Um bot, yes. Now did you mm-hmm. did you get to be get carried around on a chair? Was that part of before the mystery? I have to think about that. No. Okay. Uh, I have been carried around in a chair in a murder mystery before, though. Your but life is a... being carried around in a chair. Let's just <laughs> yes, it be is. honest. There. Cleopatra. Yes. Yeah. Right. Palm fronds. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Lloyd cloths, the whole bit. Right. Now, you... Who got murdered? The I rabbi? Think... No, I think it was actually... It was one of the cast members. I think it might have been German Rachel. Wait, and who was she? She was not one of the actual. If I remember what, this correctly, what? she was. Wait, no, she was. I don't know. What, what, what the <laughs> I hell can't remember. Of... Wait, no, I think she was Mrs. White. Maybe it was somebody else. There was a character who was like almost like from the movie where it was a French maid and right. she got murdered. Okay. Because there's another character in. Um, Last Christmas, we got the kids a uh, Clue Jr. Yes. Because I love it so much. And it's not cooperative, which makes it wonderful. So it's not kid mm-hmm. choices. Yes. Um, but there's another character now. There's a oh. scientist that's played by a, that's a female character. Oh. And of course, I can't remember her name. Professor Ivy, I want to say. No, it can't be. Dr. Ivy. Because Professor not, Plum. That's not really a color, though. Yeah, but you can't have Professor Indigo or Doctor Indigo. No, no, we have Professor Plum, but right, Doctor, but Doctor Ivy doesn't make sense. Let's like, move why on. Can't Let's she move be on. Doctor Hunter. Like sure. Hunter okay. Green. So now, well, because there's Mister Green, but anyway, oh, now, yeah. well, maybe they're married. So there's the service. There's the reading from the Torah. There's the the cantering. Is that the correct term? I don't know. I only know that in horse terms. Okay. There's the cantering. They come into the ballroom for the cocktail party, talk cocktail hour. Mm-hmm. You mingle. Mm-hmm. What's your best kind of chat up line to a group of guests who are there to celebrate this important <laughs> ritual in a child's life, this coming of age uh, in the, their <laughs> family tradition? You walk up in a flapper dress. And you say, 
what? Well, I wasn't wearing a flapper dress. I was oh, wearing a red. Not, okay, fine. You're, you're wearing your red. Red satin off the shoulder, <laughs> like skin tight <laughs> femme fatale dress. Sure. And how well did this mix with everything else going on in the surrounding? Well, everybody else was in like flappery. It worked. Wait, the entire bot was a flapper theme? Yeah. Can you wear this to Temple? It wasn't at Temple. The bot. Oh, no, but I'm saying, but like. change. Oh, you do? Okay. I don't know. I've only been to a couple. I haven't. Like a wedding. There's a gap in a wedding. You have to do a costume change. What am I, Prince? No, I don't. Yes, (laughs) Yes, you are. You are Prince. (laughs) This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. I have two children, and we love one of them them very, very much. Yes. Um, And they, it has occurred to me recently that they are growing up in a society in a world filled with gift buckets or prize buckets correct um you do something well at school my daughter last week or two weeks ago you know you you hold the door for somebody or you help somebody who's having a problem with something you you get a ticket they put mm-hmm. them all in a bin if the principal pulls your ticket you get to go into the prize closet yes at the dentist they have a giant tooth shaped prize yes. bucket and have you seen what's in these things, by the way? Um, I well, not in recent years. I know it was in the treasure chest when I was a child at the dentist. Oh, you had a treasure chest at the dentist? I needed. Yeah. What would you? My get? uncle was my my dentist, and he. Oh, I got all kinds of tattoo, temporary tattoos, blinky rings, stickers, mm. um, little like. The little like things you throw on the wall and they climb those those are still those are still very popular yeah did your dentist slash uncle do mini slinkies oh i think at one point there may have been some minis but mini slinkies suck they don't work that's this is one of my questions like i think we should try to book on the show actually somebody from slinky core or whatever they're called right to find out what the rise and run of the stairs that a mini slinky works on right because i've never mastered it actually i'd like to see the rise and run for a normal slinky i don't think i've ever seen one of those go downstairs other than in the commercial alone or in pairs what alone or in pairs <laughs> exactly <laughs> i actually was able to get i think really? the rise and run is in a 1970s colonial staircase mm, okay that very would... very limited you know it's a small window. Right. But I, I do think the traditional slinky works there. And it's interesting that so many people are against this sort of like that everyone gets a trophy culture. But yet they force it. Those are the people, the people that fight it are right. the people that enforce it the most when it's their kid. Well, see, I would love nothing more. I would love to make this a bigger deal. I would like our culture to get more prize bucket oriented. Well, I'm for that. I want as many prizes as possible. Would it be great if you're at a restaurant and the waiter comes over and says, excuse me, I noticed that you had washed your hands while you're leaving the restroom. Would you like to take something from our prize bin? And like it's a coupon for like a back massage from your server or 10% off tiramisu or something like that. I would definitely pick the tiramisu. See, this is how I know I'm, I'm getting old. 
I get excited about things like tiramisu. No, I love tiramisu. I've decided there's three things that are the reasons I get out of bed in the morning, <laughs> yes. which, which also proves that I'm old. Um, one is not having to do something. Yes. That's my favorite thing. Where it's That's like, my well, favorite it's a, thing too. It's a party, but you don't have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, tiramisu mm-hmm. and something interesting on PBS. Those are the three things. But I feel those things have been interesting to you your entire life. Like when you said yesterday, like, oh, I'm right. such a different person from you were like 110 <laughs> when you were 15. That's true. Yeah, no, my, my spirit age is about 45. Right. Um, Your attempt to like sound, you know, Queen's Reiki to not fly. Oh, well, thank you. Cast for, the mustard. I know. Um, <laughs> so, but the, one of the things my daughter got from this prize bucket at school was a keychain. Hmm. And maybe I just, my circle of five-year-olds that I know is limited. Yes. Are there youngsters, five to, let's say, nine, in the mm-hmm. janitorial industry that I just do not know? Well, okay, first and foremost, was she excited about said keychain? Well, she was beside herself excited about her keychain. Okay. Did it have flash on it? It actually had the outline of a dog with the flippy sequins. Yes. But like, what do you, have you ever seen a seven-year-old walking around with just keys falling out of their hands? And they're like, I don't know, how do I organize these? No, but I do know that they're, I do know why kids that age like keychains. And I don't want to burst your bubble on the why are they giving them keychains thing. It's like, because they feel like adults because adults have keychains. No, it's because they hang them from their backpacks and they're like little cool come along toys with them. Gotcha. No problem. That's about the fifth keychain on my daughter's backpack. But that's it. That's what they do. They collect them. It's like a menagerie. But what at what point does a prize bucket gift maker say, you know what, we've kind of we're not going to be the top of anybody's prize bucket prizes. Yes. We're we're JV at best with our prize bucket prizes. Okay. Like the people who make the uh, plastic pirates coins. Yeah. Like we don't even have the decency to fill them with chocolate. I know. That is that is actually a crime against humanity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so why even go to the keychain world? Because kids like them on their backpacks. They actually right. like them. And no, if it I has flippy it. sequins. Okay, flippy sequins. Right. Which is my nickname in high school. Well, of course. Yeah. But that's like... That's the thing. But if you're kind of a... Like, and again, if we're talking about your daughter, your daughter has keys to secret hidden kingdom she's not sharing with you anyway. That's she true. probably yeah. got like some vault somewhere where she's stocking away a fortune. Oh, she's got a getaway car somewhere hidden. 100%. Yeah. Yes. That's a good Without point. a doubt. Hmm. I haven't thought about that. Mm-hmm. So maybe she just... We haven't seen the keys. You haven't seen the keys. She's not showing mm. you the keys. <laughs> <laughs> All She's... I would do is just be like, can we just go out for tiramisu? Talk yeah. this over. <laughs> She'll leave you some tiramisu and ran over <laughs> the drive. Like. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Here you go, dad. Here's your lady fingers. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing we should mention here. Yes. Or maybe not here, but we should mention something. We should, yes. Is that um, this episode, this show, is heavy on the visuals. 
It is. It, it, it does do best with a, with a guide. So I guess whether or not you are driving, wherever you are listening to this, if you go to our website, whythepodcast.com, you can look up. We have a bunch of Felix's work there where you can sort of see what we're talking about. Yes. And also on our Facebook page and oh, our, our Instagram and our Twitter. Ooh, yes. My goodness. I know. Our cover photo on Facebook will show something exciting. Yeah. Is it going to be on our grinder profile too? No. No, not there. Although we'd probably get more hits on it if we did. <laughs> True. It's, we should put it on our Our Time profile. <laughs> <laughs> How does one get into this? Do you just wake up one morning and say, I want to destroy my pretty pony? <laughs> well, how it started was um, in the late 90s, a friend and I had a public access TV show. It was supposed to be like almost like a psychedelic uh, 60s, black and white, kind of a creepy show. And I had one part of it that would be in color. It was like a psychedelic uh, marionette show. So... I would take dolls, Barbie dolls, uh, different things. We make make these little sets. For example, like a graveyard set, and I painted up these uh, glow in the dark skeleton Barbie dolls, and slowly would pull them out of the dirt. <laughs> uh, so my wife and I would stay up all night doing these puppet shows, uh, filming it, and uh, I go back to the studio and edit them. And my friend um, uh, Kenny Cornell would do all the sound. And uh, once the show aired, my my sister said, "You know those dolls are, are really cool. You should you should uh, maybe try to sell some," which I did. You know, I sold them to friends, and uh, that's that's kind of where it started. At the yeah, it was called the Heebie Jeebie Half Hour. <laughs> I love it. And I noticed you have you've done some different series or versions of these. I noticed you had a whole H.P. Lovecraft themed line. Um, how how do you are you still doing all these different ones or do you kind of pursue one avenue to see what you can do with them and then move on well, to the next thing? I don't want to be a one trick pony. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So, yeah. so it's, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, I, I request people commission me to do things. So I got commissioned to do Cthulhu and they're fun to do. So I do more Cthulhu ponies. Um, like right now I have a lady that commissioned me to do a Phantom of the Opera pony, which <gasps> That should be fun. So it, it, it's 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 a matter of uh, not letting too much rust stick to the wheel, you know, kind of change it up here and there. Go go back to stuff that sells. Uh, experiment with other things, you know, because uh, a lot of these these uh, ponies and dolls I sell at art shows, uh, conventions, um, online, of course. Mm-hmm. When people commission you, do they generally give you a story as to why they want a Phantom of the Opera, My Little Pony? Dead time joy. Yeah, I mean, there's some people that already are obsessed with certain things, so they're they're already collectors. So I'm assuming this lady must have, you know, Phantom of the Opera dolls, Phantom of the Opera like bed sheets. <laughs> uh, so it's it's just another thing to add to a collection, I would think. I'm I'm just trying to picture one of these with Andrew Lloyd Webber's face. Um, <laughs> I just need a second. Oh, that yeah. Yeah. It's a new realm of scary. Um, and then you also have some of these. I saw Elsa with part of her face missing. Uh, looked like Cinderella. Yep. 
It's it's fun with blow torches. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these dolls, I blow torch in the alley of, in back of the shop. I, I work in a tattoo shop, so I, I get the funniest looks. You know, having a dozen ponies and Barbie dolls, and I'm blow torching them. You know, and poking them with sticks so the 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 plastic melts a certain way, and then uh, I kind of have to explain. I'm I'm just not. A psychopath of actually making a product. This is art, damn it. Yes. <laughs> so how do you normally acquire the original toys? Do you find them or do you have to purchase them? How does that normally work? Well, when I was doing the heebie-jeebie half hour uh, and I started selling like the Barbie dolls, uh, we'd go to like like thrift stores and you see these bags of these naked Barbie dolls, you know, almost like, almost like murder victims or like, like a morgue. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're, they're dead. You know, they're they're all there naked in bags. So uh, that was what my Barbies looked like when I retired them for sure. And they were all naked. Every one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So they feel like, they feel like victims of horrible (laughs) crimes. So uh, I kind of, my responsibility is to give them an afterlife. So they end up on somebody's shelf as opposed to a trash heap somewhere. Um, I much prefer using used dolls and ponies than, than anything new because it kind of defeats the whole right. purpose. That makes perfect sense. It's kind of like, it's recycling. Right. And in working with a blowtorch, how do you, I mean, I, I would think if, it, I would think that if you put a blowtorch next to any of these things, they would instantly melt. But you're able, like you said, to kind of well, craft it. How do you do that? Well, you, you cover the parts you don't want to melt with several layers of aluminum foil. Like hair, hair would automatically just catch on oh, fire and be a mess, you know, dripping all over the place, burning me. And so kind of create little barriers, you know, and control what you want to burn and what you don't want to burn. And, and a lot of it, you just leave it up to chance. Of all of your resurrected children, do you have a favorite? You know, it, it's, I, I love making them. And it, it's kind of bittersweet when you sell them because my wife, you know, she likes them too, you know. And when I experiment with different colors and stuff, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I wish I could keep it. But if that was the case, I'd be like, I, it'd be like an episode of Hoarders because <laughs> I've I literally, I've sold hundreds of these things. But it would be a really cool episode so, of Hoarders, like way better than like Arby's wrappers piled up everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi. It'd be a lot more sparkly, that's for sure. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Heidi, stop asking him to make Sophie's choice. That's not fair. (laughs) I I apologize. That's terrible. I know. So how many ponies come with you to a show? I think for the oddities convention, I had about 80 pieces. I know what I do, Denver Comic Con, which is now Denver Pop Con. I try to have at least 100 pieces. And even then, I I end up selling out. So I got to, you know, figure out how to crank these out more without resorting to like cocaine. <laughs> right. Well, it's a healthy way to do it. <laughs> or, or, or massive amounts of caffeine. Right. Right. Unless I start like a, a sweatshop in my basement well, or something. You know, but, they're they're well, making a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> now, but pretty much for me, I mean, painting ponies, it's, it's relaxing. You know, they keep me out of trouble. So if I'm not tattooing, you know, I, I'm, I'm usually at my booth like painting ponies poor dolls you know here at home my, my wife is like well we don't do anything because you're always painting ponies <laughs> <laughs> but these ponies 
in the long run, they end up paying for us, you know, take a little vacation or, or, or something. You know, they do their job. Right. Are you constantly sparkly? Does everything you own have glitter on it? Because glitter never dies. Well, it, it's all fun and games <laughs> until you get glitter in your weed. Oh, yeah, that's probably a problem. It's <laughs> probably a huge problem. <laughs> I also noticed you have a series of skulls with antlers that I'm assuming did not come with the skulls. I have a friend. His name is Joshua Vader. Mm-hmm. He's got a little company called 3D Asian. Um, I'm going to slaughter the name of this. <laughs> 3D Asian Design and Manufacturing. I think Josh needs a different name for he's his gonna, company. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was going to do this furry convention. And I, I'm not sure, I wasn't sure if furries like My Little Ponies or not, you know. And I, I knew that they liked animal skulls and such like that. So I was talking, throwing around ideas, you know, how we could make these hybrid, like, cat cats with uh, antlers on them, um, conjoined cat heads, uh, just, just weird, like, fantastic critters, you know, that could look like, once they're mounted, almost look like they were actually found in the wild. So that's kind of what we're experimenting with right now. Um, he's working on a batch of uh, four horned goats for me right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the, I'm doing a heavy metal flea market here in about a week. So we needed something a little bit more edgy, evil. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think the heavy metal scene has a love for ponies somewhere in there. Yeah, well, some do because I'm also doing um, corpse paint ponies. Oh, you know, like like. Like Norwegian death metal, they got the corpse paint. So I got a whole mm-hmm. batch of, of those for this thing coming up. Nice. So tell me a little bit about your uh, this crazy, amazing, terrifying, yet adorable costume I see at these conventions. Well, I used to dress up like a dead unicorn. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> As because, you do. Because to me, like, 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 Wearing makeup or wearing a costume, it's it's almost like armor, if that makes yeah. sense. It kind of creates mm-hmm. this safety net. You know, uh, they're dealing with a character; they're not really dealing with me. Right. So, um, a lot of artist types are very sensitive, you know, and and they take things personal. So, if I go in, kind of like almost like a Beetlejuice character, sure. That I, it's it's kind of a joke. It's kind of a little bit crass. It's a little bit um safer in a sense you know so i I could sell my product and a lot of people say oh you know i got hobbies too i i could do that fuck off that makes sense yeah uh, agreed and and dress up like a dead cat you know since i started doing these cat skulls and stuff you know uh kids love it (laughs) at first i thought it was gonna be a little bit scary you know and that's kind of the point the kids will run up to me, right. they hug me, they want to get pictures taken with their family. And so it, it works, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun for me. It's fun for people. You know, uh, I'm kind of like almost like a, a beacon. So if they don't see my product immediately, they see a dead cat. Right. And uh, either you're attracted to a dead cat or you're not. So if you're not, you're really not going to be my clientele in any way. That's a good way to weed yeah, them I've out, said right? That so often. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to deal with them anyway. They're just wasting your time. That that's why I'm saying just just cut <laughs> to the chase. So you said you've done the 
PopCon, you've done furry cons. Do your best sellers change by convention? Like, what are the furries into? Surprisingly, they buy a lot more ponies than the skulls. Hmm. And I, I've just been started experimenting with the skulls. Yeah, yeah. You, ne- you never know, you know? So mm-hmm. I like to have a variety. I like to keep on adding. I mean, I've done my little paintings. Of course, the Barbie dolls, light switch plates, um, bookends. So, so I don't get bored to death. And also, so there's more to offer. How long does it take you to make one of these? Like just a pony, let's say. I can't just sit down and do one pony. I'm usually working on three or four ponies at the same time. So mm-hmm. I, could probably, I could probably get four or five done in a day if I'm not too distracted. Right. Maybe I want to watch a cartoon. Maybe, maybe uh, go outside for a little bit, you know, get away from the glitter. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, yeah, sounds like my typical day. But uh, <laughs> it it's actually feels really weird if I'm not working on one of these things. You know, it's, it's, they've almost become part of me now. Because <laughs> I've, I've literally, I've been painting these things since, well, not just the ponies, but the dolls, since like the, the late 90s. Wow. It makes me kind of sad that that many, I mean, it's amazing and I love what you do. So that's not what I mean. But it's, it's I feel bad that all of these ponies and Barbies were ending up at like the, you know, toy graveyard had you not come along. Like, why aren't people passing on their my little ponies to their children someday <laughs> because kids play with cell phones now true you know mm. you, it's the new pacifier you know here's a, here's a fucking cell phone shut true. up that's true yeah. when i was I a kid to... you're just lighting stuff on fire and <laughs> <laughs> right i i had gi joe's uh transformer star wars figures my little sister she had barbie dolls and then ponies and and we'd play together, and we'd split them up. You know, there'd be bad guys and good guys, whether they're ponies or Barbies. And, um, you know, we've always used our imagination. And my sister's very creative. Uh, she paints, and uh, I, I love her dearly. And I just remember spending hours playing with these toys, you know. And um, we, we'd change them. We'd, like, make up, up some, some Barbies, make them look like they're out of, like, Mad Max or something, um, take cars and... and attached like G.I. Joe guns on them and uh, purposely break an arm off a Ken doll, you know, so you got to put a robotic arm on him. So Or Ken. He can't yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> And he never will because he has no genitalia, so he's <laughs> dealing with that. There is that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your – the other part of your life, how did you get involved as a tattoo artist? I lived in Texas for a bit because um, my wife's dad was dying of cancer. And uh, I was working for the music land company at the time. And that's right about the time they went bankrupt because nobody sure. really buyed, bought uh, physical media anymore, you know, CDs and, right. and DVDs and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, I'd always have a love for like cult movies, weird films, um, avant-garde stuff. In Albuquerque, there's a place called Wavy Brain Video, and then there's another place called Astro Zombies, and I've, and I've always loved places like that. So we were in this little town in Texas, San Angelo, Texas, and uh, I opened a place called Video Bizarro, and the catchphrase was, the greatest movies you've never seen. And we, we got a, a ton of weird movies, you know, just off-the-wall stuff, you know, uh, Japanese porno cartoons. 
and like like sure. uh, surreal like Alejandro Jorowski films. Uh, faces I knew of his death. name was coming up here. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> faces of death. Uh, David Lynch, of course, of course. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and and he gave me an opportunity to have a case, and uh, you know, started putting my Barbie dolls in there. Started uh, designing shirts, you know, to promote the store. Um, we we'd hit up surplus stores and then you used to be able to get these grenade shells that weren't that didn't have the actual explosives in them so i would take these grenade shells and demasculate them so almost like paisleys and psychedelic designs on them you know so i'd have something to offer more than just the rentals Mm -hmm. and and that's (laughs) That's kind of where that started. Okay. And and we were right next door to a tattoo shop. Aha. So um, I I eventually had started having bands play at my shop, and I would design the posters. Sweet. And um, the guys next door were like, "Well, you you like to draw, you know, you like to do this and that." So eventually, you know, the shop would close, and. Tattooing kind of fell my lap. Uh, one of my clients was a tattoo artist, and he saw me kind of dabbling with my neighbors and kind of playing around with the art. And he's the one that would eventually open a shop and would hire me and, and taught me how to tattoo. It was a place called Overthrow Tattoo in uh, San Angelo, Texas. Oh. And that's, that's how I started tattooing. It was. What was it like the first time you tattooed somebody? I'm always fascinated by that. Like the first time you hit the skin. Your first hundred tattoos, you're just sweating bullets. You're, I'm shaking. You try not to show the client, you know, how vulnerable you are also because you want to show this air of confidence, you know, but it's, it's scary as hell. If you fuck right? somebody up, but you fuck somebody up, they look at a tattoo and that's, that's who you are to That's them there. for the rest of their life. You know, like, I, oh, fuck. They mm. never forget you. <laughs> no, no, no. And the thing is, uh, if somebody did a good tattoo on you, yeah, you're like, great, I got a good tattoo. But somebody did a bad tattoo on you, you would tell everybody in the world who put that bad tattoo on oh, you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so there is a lot of pressure. But uh, I, I've got 13 years under my belt now, so it's it, it's – it's still scary, even after 13 years, believe it or not, you know, so everybody's skin's different. Every little thing could change how your machine works, you know, whether it's humidity or if it's temperature or if it's just a vibe in the air, you know, almost like, like magic. There's still a part of magic that goes into tattooing. What's the stupidest thing someone has asked you to tattoo? I know most artists have like a... I'm not doing anything racist. I'm not do- like they have their limits, but what's just the thing where you're like, I can't say no because this isn't offensive. This is just dumb. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even see it as that. I, I, a tattoo is very special to, uh, mm-hmm. to people. What do you get it? They get it for a reason, you know, even if it's a joke tattoo. Um, mm-hmm. I remember during a beer festival, we had these four guys come in and they all got blindfolded and they picked each other's designs. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so one guy ended up with his ex wife's name on him. No. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, another guy ended up with a big rainbow, uh, two male symbols interlinked together, you know. Of course. But I I see those as as a memorable piece, you know. They were it, it was in the heat of the yeah. moment, you know. They got those. I mean, I'm sure the guy got his ex wife's name covered up since, you know. But it's one would hope. It's the guys. It's the guys night out, you know. Right. So as far as first stupid tattoos, I, I mean. I mean, there's those cookie cutter tattoos that people find on Pinterest, and they're like, "I want this," you right. know. But even then, it it makes that person happy, you know. And and we're That's true. We're here to serve as the public, you know. That's true. I have done a couple of monster logos. It just does not make sense. There we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're getting paid by monster, I I don't, I don't get it. But yeah. at the same time, you know. <laughs> I should show you guys my tramp stamp. If, you should. No, don't feel like you have to. No, don't feel like, like you. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else would you like people to know about your work as an artist, either in the tattoo realm or more, not more importantly, but, or about dead time toys and the stuff you've got coming up? What haven't we covered? I just think every town has its own little community of artists. When I started publicly going out and selling my, my, my ponies, I would almost like just invade a place, like guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. Without permission, I would just set up a booth, you know, act like I belong there. <laughs> Love it. Um, and and I, I think more cities and towns should offer more opportunity for artists, you know. I mean... I had fun doing what I was doing, even though I had no permission. <laughs> sure. But but if there's a way we can em- embrace local artists, you know, more local art shows, um, it's a matter of nurturing these artists and um, helping them grow, you know, creating an environment of, of handmade art in this world of manufactured bullshit, you know. There's unique mm-hmm. things out there, and it's not for everybody, but it's a matter of going out, getting off your computer, and finding something that's still handmade, something that still has a human spirit to it. For more information on Felix's art and to see all of his creations, go to facebook.com slash deadtimefelix, or check him out on Etsy. He is at etsy.com slash shop slash deadtime toys and if all of that is not enough and you want his art on you he is working at the fortune cookie tattoo shop in denver colorado be sure to follow why the podcast on facebook instagram and twitter and check out our youtube channel for some additional great why content if you're so inclined please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing today's show is produced by myself and heidi hegquist our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. <laughs>